In this week's In-Ear Insights, let's talk about analytics adding value. One of the challenges <clears throat> that we have with analytics is its very nature. Analytics is inherently a look in the rearview mirror. <clears throat> what happened? Right? That is the fundamental purpose of analytics, to understand what happened. And the challenge that we have to deal with is you shouldn't drive the car looking out the rearview mirror only, right? You, you have got to be looking out the windshield. And so, Katie, the question I would put to you as a decision maker, as an executive, is how do you use something that's a rearview mirror? How do you balance that with looking forward, with deciding what to do, with being proactive? And how can people who are using analytics, who are data-driven, um, can provide proactive value with their analytics data. Well, I mean, you sort of, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the issue is that analytics are reactive. And so one of the things is making sure you're not waiting too long to look at that data. So if you only sit down and look at your data once a year at your yearly planning, things could have gone, you know, six ways to sideways and you will never know. And there's nothing you can do about it. So that's, you know, sort of the first thing. And so we were talking earlier, Chris, about, you know, setting up automatic notifications for anomalies, for example. So even if you can't be in your analytics system every minute of every day, you can set up some notifications to say, if it goes above or below this threshold, let me know so I can do something about it. So I think that's sort of the first thing in terms of providing value. The other thing is you can't just rely on your data to make decisions. And I mean that in a way of like, if you're only ever looking at your Google Analytics and nothing else outside of that dashboard, you're probably making very limited decisions because you're not talking to your customers, you're not paying attention to the conversations people are having online, you're not looking at Google Trend data, for example, you're not even just doing basic exploration of what people might be interested in the next couple of weeks. And so I feel like your analytics is a good starting place, but if that's the only thing you're looking at, then you're not making the best decision possible and providing the most value. I think the key, one of the keywords you just said in there is trend. Um, one of the things I have not seen people do with their analytics data is put it through any kind of software that can do trend detection. Because there's a big difference between an anomaly, which is you know a one-off or a period of unusual activity and then goes back to normal, and a trend where something is broken out and that level has changed and is continuing to change and is a sustained change. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the pandemic, the first few months, that was a gigantic anomaly, right? It's, it's the biggest anomaly you'll see in your data. Ever since then, the trend has been back to the way things were beforehand, you know, in fits and starts with all mm -hmm. the, the stuff that happened. But that is clearly the trend now. Um, and even in something as simple as like your channel data in Google Analytics, you know, your, your traffic from social, your traffic from search, I don't see anybody, and I'll raise my hand, that's us included because I haven't written the software yet, um, to do trend detection, to say, like, okay, this is not just an anomaly, which is what tools like Google Analytics 4 can do built in, but this is a trend that you should pay attention to. Um, real simple example, 
suppose you started getting some traffic from TikTok, right? Uh, maybe not a lot, but it's enough that's detectable. It's enough that would you know, a, a trend detection software would say, hey, this looks like it might be a thing. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, you don't know that it's a thing until to your point, you look at your annual review and like, oh, we got a lot of traffic from TikTok this year that we didn't expect. It would have been better to know that, you know, seven months ago when that first started. Well, yeah, when you could have done something about it and continued, you know, building upon that. And that's, you know, it's, it's interesting that you paint it that way, because I think a lot of companies feel like that kind of trend detection is out of their reach. Uh, because it involves machine learning, because it involves artificial intelligence, but it doesn't have to. Um, you can do very basic calculation to say, you know, here's what this could look like. I mean, I used to do that with my budgets uh, when I was managing different product lines and say, if the spending continues to, uh, to spend this way, this is where we'll be at the end of the year in terms of the remainder of our budget. It was a very simplistic trend forecast. And so I knew roughly every month, here's the number that I have to hit in order to stay on budget. And so, you know, I wasn't using machine learning. I wasn't using artificial intelligence. I was literally using a piece of paper, a pen and a calculator and said, okay, this is what it could look like. And if you have that historic data, you could do something similar with, you know, just pick, you know, website traffic or just pick traffic from email. And you could do something similar, say, these are the numbers that I need to hit in order for it to go up or down. Totally. Uh, built into software like from Tableau, for example, or uh, Click or IBM uh, Cognos is just simple trend lines, like slap a trend line on this data. And uh, it's even now built into Data Studio. Data Studio now supports three different types of trend lines. So in a lot of ways, there really is almost no excuse not to have a trend, at least trend charting. Um, it's better if there's some code that can do the trend detection and say like, hey, it looks like there's a seven day trend for this thing, or there's a 14 day trend for this thing. That's harder to do. But at the very least, you're, you're right. I mean, you can even export in Microsoft Excel and just do the, mm -hmm. the trend detection in Excel. It's not, it, it doesn't have to be sophisticated. In fact, the most sophisticated um, trend detection and anomaly detection tools in machine learning only deliver like a percentage or two point, you know, percentage point or two better performance than literally getting out a ruler and slapping it on a chart sometimes. <laughs> well, and with that, you know, that's only part of the story. You as the human still have to make judgment calls to understand, is it anomaly or is it really a trend? And so let's say our site got, you know, hacked with you know bots and we got all kinds of you know website traffic that we didn't expect we would need to look into that and go okay that was a true anomaly even though google's telling me hey you're the traffic to your website's picking up this might be a trend let me go ahead and notify you we still have to make that judgment of no it's not real or yes it is something we changed something positively and now it's picking up um, you know, the same is true of those outside factors where, okay, what's going on with politics? What's going on with the economy? What's going on with economics? What's going on with people in general, the job market, any of those things to say, okay, this is why the thing is happening. And so we're going to let it ride or we're going to capitalize on it and continue doing more of it. I think that macroeconomic data is another thing that you're right. 
people aren't using enough. I mean, there's so much of it. And at least in the United States, which is where we're based, uh, much of it is free, provided from the government. Like, here's just a bunch of data. And we don't spend enough time looking at it. Last week, um, there was a debate in one of the other Slack channels that we're in about, you know, the, the coming recession. And the National Bureau of Economic Research, NBER, publishes how it judges whether there's a recession. And I looked at the eight indicators they list in their documentation, like these are the things you look at, and only one of the eight is, is in the red. The other seven are, are still trending upwards. So I said, I'm not convinced that, at least from the, this data set, that there's a recession looming. I think there's definitely recessionary pressures, and I definitely think there are um, sectors that are going to hit harder than others. But there's so much weird excess demand floating around in the system that it's not enough yet to cause that. I mean, we have labor shortages everywhere. Um, I was getting, I was doing some travel planning for an upcoming conference, for the Macon conference that we were, we were presenting at in August in mm -hmm. Cleveland, and. The air travel system this weekend alone canceled like 10,000 flights. Um, I'm like, so I'm driving because <laughs> it's only a nine-hour drive and you know a six-hour delay on top of a two-hour flight with an hour before check-in, it, it's a wash. Yeah. Those are the kinds of data points that you could start to synthesize into something proactive. And I think that's the big question is how do we overall pivot from being reactive with our analytics data to being mm -hmm. proactive trend detection definitely is a major part of that what else can we do that would allow us to be more proactive with our data i always come back to the basics of you know planning and um you know thinking through do i have a plan that extends beyond today if i don't have a plan that extends beyond today that's where i would start and you know to be quite frank that's where i'm at today is you know we've been sort of humming along and now we're finding ourselves in the quote unquote summer slowdown season now that's my opportunity to reinvigorate our planning to say what else are we going to be doing what else can we do that provides value what have we not done enough of that we need to be doing more of and start to plan that out so that I'm being, so that I have the opportunity to be more proactive versus just waiting for things to drop and be like, okay, now I need to do something. No, I think that makes sense. I'm thinking though, for some of this data, trend detection and forecasting, I mean, yes, a lot of it, it predictive analytics is actually in a really precarious spot right now mm -hmm. because now this is something I said to folks who are asking about it uh, for the upcoming Content Marketing World Conference. Predictive analytics, which has been a mainstay for many industries, um, will get less and less valuable over the next 50, 100 years because as climate change increases, things get more unpredictable, right? Um, it's like, oh, look, there's, you know, what was it? Uh, over the weekend, someone said this uh, a French newscaster made a fake map of like super hot temperatures in 2014 and tweeted it saying this is what you know the climate could look like in 2050 if we don't do mm. something. And that was the actual forecast this weekend. It's only yeah. you know eight years later. I saw that. Those oh, those anomalies are going to keep increasing at a, at a, a, a record pace. And so predictive analytics is going to get harder. To, to some things, you know, like we've talked about in the past, like holiday gift guide, that's probably not going to change. Right. But the specifics, 
maybe governed by like, oh, I was going to get you, you know, a lawnmower for for Christmas, but uh, you know, lawnmowers have a twelve month backlog, so you're not getting a lawnmower for Christmas. So, I think the other fund foundational piece, you know, in addition to planning that we're not doing enough of, and and I think our company specifically is, is okay on this front, but I know a lot of companies are not. It's just talking to customers mm-hmm. you know, on a regular and frequent basis. One of the, the best changes that we made recently uh, that anybody with a community can do is to start to ask a question of the day in your community. And mm-hmm. the, just the answers and what, just the answers alone, actually not even that, just pinging people, just reminding them that the community exists has spurred, like a, if you look at the numbers, right, like a 300% increase in participation Mm-hmm. But we all in that also gets people talking about the challenges that they are facing. There was one this morning, someone asking how to how to put ClickFunnels data into Google Analytics. I mean, you and I were talking before the show about you know we've got a lot of clients who are doing Google Analytics work with us, but when you look in our community, which is lovingly placed here, TrustInsights.ai/analytics for marketers, um, that's what people are talking about a lot of the time. Like, how do I do this? This isn't working. Mm-hmm. I feel like. As much as it might be like two more eggs in a basket than we're comfortable with, the customers lined up with their baskets saying, we need Google Analytics. Yeah. No, and I agree. I think that that is, um, you know, one of the better, more scalable things that we've started doing in recent months is asking a question of the day in Slack. And so, you know, to, you know, peek behind the curtain a little bit, we have a spreadsheet of questions we could ask. And once a week, I go ahead, I look through the different questions, and I pre-program them so that they drop every single day. Now, could I, you know, just drop them every single day, like manually? Absolutely. But I could also take 20 minutes on a Friday and program them for the following week. And then when they drop, we just see the conversation starting. And Chris and I are getting a lot of really good, rich information directly from people in our community of what they of what problems they're having today right now and chris to your point engagement has gone up exponentially and so it's not only people responding to the questions but i feel like it's encouraged people to ask standalone questions outside of the question of the day which is the kind of conversation we want to see in that community anyway so that we can really get a good understanding and you know, so we do that. But then the other thing that we do is uh, once a quarter, we do a one question survey, where we ask literally one question about what's going on with you right now, and your digital marketing. And we've done this, maybe for the past two years or so. And we get a really good baseline understanding of the biggest challenge that you have at any given time. And it doesn't take a lot of overhead for us to do this and completely optional for people to respond. We we tend to get a pretty decent response rate. And then we can look at that data and say, okay, this tells me that we need to build more courses around Google Analytics 4, which we did. We took the data that we got from the one question survey and we've started building courses. And so we now have the Google Analytics 4 course. We have a Google search console course, we're going to be working on a data studio course, an attribution course, because what we're seeing is not only are people moving from job to job, so they're looking for refreshed skill sets, 
They're also just, I want to try something different or technology is changing so quickly. Who can help me learn to stay, you know, so that I can keep pace with everyone else. Yeah, I've heard the same. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine not too long ago who was saying it's just getting increasingly difficult to even know what to pay attention to, much less stay current. Um, you know, some of the topics came up around, around you know, NFTs and Web3 and all that stuff. Um, and there's, I think there's a, it's, a, it's a topic for another show. There is value in the underlying technology. Every implementation so far I've seen is stupid, but there's value in the underlying technology. But to their point, mm-hmm. Not only is it difficult to keep up with understanding the technology, but then you have stupid implementations of the technology that obscure its value and make it even more difficult to learn. Um, mm-hmm. Even Google Analytics, you know, uh, we have and we've put together a, a Google Analytics course that I think does a decent job of, of explaining things. But the way that Google itself implemented some of the features is just dumb and it makes it harder to use. Like having configuration options be in three different places instead of like a central settings. I'm still scratching my head about that two years later. Um, that obtuseness is <laughs> makes it harder for people to keep up. And so again, from unlocking the value of analytics and, and, and making it useful, if you, if you can't even get the software to work correctly uh, mm-hmm. without you know, taking a course or, or hiring an agency, then, of course, you're not going to extract value from it. And then you may end up at a point where your stakeholders say, we don't see the value in analytics anymore. Mm-hmm. Which, um, you know, and I don't know the exact statistic off the top of my head, but we know from, you know, the twice a year CMO survey, the value that executive C and analytics, you know, it goes up and it goes down, but it goes down more often than it goes up. And that means if they're not seeing value in analytics, they're not giving you the budget that you need because you can't justify what it is you're doing. And it becomes this vicious cycle of you can't justify why you should have a job in the first place if they don't see the value in the work that you do because you don't have the data to support it. Exactly. And to your point earlier about other things being, you know, you know, macro things having an impact uh, and making it difficult to forecast, one of the uncomfortable trends that we've had to deal with really, that it's gotten worse in the last decade, is people have become more fact resistant, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess is a good way to put it. Um, and that can affect a, a culture of becoming data driven, right? If people are saying, well, no, my opinion outweighs fact, um, or just, you know, the, you show somebody a piece of data and their conclusion they draw from it is exactly the opposite of what the data says. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it challenges the usefulness of analytics because if you only like your analytics when it's telling you things you want to hear, then you're not really using analytics. Well, and this, you know, unfortunately, Chris, you're not just sort of, you know, giving examples. We've both experienced this firsthand. A uh, few jobs ago, I had a stakeholder that we used to refer to as the N of one. And so regardless of the data that we would put in front of him, he would say, I know best. I know what the customer wants. We're going to do it this way, which completely contradicted what the data was demonstrating, what the customers were actually saying, because it didn't align with what he personally wanted the product to do. Now, fast forward, we have clients now that as we're talking through the different analytics systems, the dashboards, the reporting, a lot of the feedback and quite honestly pushback that we get is, 
well, we want to use whatever system makes us look best. Which I can understand to an extent, but if you are glossing over everything that's not working and only focusing on the positive, then you're not really fixing the issues and you can keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again and wasting money, wasting resources, all that good junk. Yeah, and when you take a step back and look at the big picture, yeah, you're kind of circling the drain mm -hmm. <laughs> because you're ignoring the macro picture of what's going on. I think, so I, I think we've settled on three things, right? Mm -hmm. A, the frequency, the cadence, the process of looking at analytics has to become more frequent mm -hmm. in order to, to catch trends sooner. Two, you've got to be looking at trend data, uh, mm -hmm. looking for trends, not just what happened, but is there a trend in there somewhere that you should be leveraging? Particularly, again, with Google Analytics, you should be looking at your channel groupings, um, if you're using Google Analytics 4 and you've got good governance, um, those channel groupings should hint to you what's on an upward trend, what's on a downward trend. We've noticed for ourselves, SEO, organic search, has been on a downward trend for us for some time. Um, on the other hand, our communities, our email newsletter, mm -hmm. our Slack group, have been on a substantial upward trend for, for, for you know, life of the company so far. Um, and three, paying attention to macro data starting to work it into your forecast. I'm in the process right now of putting together some data for the, the Trust Insights newsletter, um, which you can get at trustinsights.ai slash newsletter. And it's all the macro stuff that I look at to determine whether there's recessions coming because the NBER data I think is too limited. Because I want to know from my the data that I think is important, uh, is, is a recession probable? And if it is, then you and I can work it into our forecasts for the company, mm -hmm. our cash flow management, how much you know, money do we, you know, do we bank in the war chest versus pay to ourselves? Um, what sectors are likely to be impacted? Like, are there companies, maybe we should be targeting pharmaceutical companies in our, in our marketing, as an example. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that macro data, you can't make those decisions. So at least somebody in your company or on your team or at your agency that you've hired should be able to provide you with that data so you can use it for judgments. What else, Katie, for, for making the most of analytics? You know, I feel like those are three really good places. And I want to revisit the first one, which is the frequency of looking at your analytics. As someone who over the course of my career has been, you know, inundated with daily reporting and look at this data and every day, here's the thing. If you need people to pay attention to the data every single day, scale it back. Focus on one or two metrics at a time. Do not give them a full scale, you know, you can if you're just listening to this, you could you would know that my hands are like extended to either side of the screen. Do not give them everything under the sun to look at. Focus on what's the most important. Prioritize your data and scale it down and you know you can automatically email it to them or show it to them shove it in their face print it out leave it on their desk whatever you need to do but make sure it's only one or two metrics because what ends up happening and i've been guilty of this as well is you become blind to it you become numb to it because it's just too much so you don't see anything in it day after day after day because I'm just looking at too much. And so I start to ignore it. And so it becomes one more email that hits my inbox every morning at 8am that I just ignore, because I can't do anything with it. But if I'm getting just one metric that goes up or down, and I need to make a decision with it, then I will pay attention to that, period. 
and I can see Chris, your wheels are spinning. You're, you're getting a thought of something, but in terms of getting people to pay attention to the analytics more frequently, it needs to be less. You can't ask people to focus on the whole shebang every single day. It's too much. Prioritize your data down to one or two of the most important metrics and focus on those. And then you can sort of, you know, rotate through which metrics you're paying attention to, but don't try to do too much. And that's how you're going to get people to pay attention to it more frequently. On Amazon, you can buy these programmable you know, like LED, little LED boxes. It's basically just like a, a, a screen, but you can have them call like APIs and stuff. I wonder how hard it would be to take, to buy one of those and program it. So just to, you, you tie in one KPI, like goal completions from Google Analytics, mm -hmm. for example, and you just program it to have a green arrow, yellow arrow, or red arrow, and just have, you know, put it on the wall. And, you know, that's the only KPIs. You walk in the office that day, oh, there's a red arrow. Crap. It's kind <laughs> of like a top ticker, quite honestly. Exactly. But I think if you ha if you could agree on like one or two KPIs mm -hmm. and literally just had that like right next to the clock on the wall, green, yellow, or red arrow, that would be real-time monitoring of your data. I mean, you probably want to have like a seven-day average or something, so it's not like changing all the time. But it, at the very least, it would tell you, oh, huh, the clock is showing a yellow arrow. We're not really making forward progress in our marketing. Right. Like today we're down. Okay, we need to do something about that. Today we're up. Okay, we can focus focus elsewhere. And I think that that would be a really easy win for any company. It doesn't even have to be automated with a, you know, smart ticker or something like that. You can literally have one metric on a dashboard that you email out to people. You can even email it out multiple times a day, but just one metric, just start there. And then people get into the habit of, okay, here's the one metric. I'm about to see where we stand, and then we can make decisions based on that. Coming this holiday season, the Trust Insights Analytics Clock. <laughs> <laughs> Only $99.99. I mean, it better be flashy looking. Otherwise, people <laughs> it just blend into everything else. But on that, you know, on that note, Chris, I mean, you know, smart devices are in most everyone's home at this point, you know, you could program your smart device, hook it up to your Google Analytics or whatever, to, you know, every three hours, just announce your goal completions are up by 5%, or your goal completions are down by 5%, you should probably do something. Yep. Ah, I'm serious. I'm going to find like a weather appliance and like just rejigger re the wiring inside or something. That would be uh, funny. Uh, if you would like a, a Trust Insights you know, <laughs> you know, marketing barometer, tell us what you think it should include. Go to our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers where you and over 2,400 marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is that you watch or listen to this show, uh, if there's a platform you'd rather have it on, go to trustinsights.ai slash TIP podcast where you can find the show on all major uh, platforms thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week